0: fascinating interviews, and compelling conversations. Be present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for joining me today and tuning in as always. I really appreciate you listening, whether you're joining me live today at this very moment or later on via the podcast. I always am appreciative of people joining in the conversations today. So I've I've had a long time interest in reincarnation and past life research ever since i read many lives many masters by brian weiss and that was i think uh, back in the 80s Uh, so i'm really gonna be excited to introduce you to my guest today i think this is going to be some really fascinating stuff So, we're going to, I saw she just dropped, but we're going to get her back on in just a second. So, if you're into Many Lives, Many Masters and you're curious about reincarnation and past lives, you're going to love this. So, actually, even um, going back to Many Lives, Many Masters, so just to give you a little experience with Brian Weiss, I actually got a chance to work with him and participate in a past life. Regression exercise that was really amazing, and I was able to get some really incredible information, you know And once you do that and you kind of start down this path, it gets addicting So when I do the when I did the regression I was actually able to get glimpses of information from a life in the old west as well as a life on an old ship and I'm not sure if it was a whaling ship Or a pirate ship, or what kind of ship? It was wooden, you know, it was one of those big wooden ships. So I think the time was around the late 1700s. So I've always been fascinated about exploring this particular topic. And I personally believe myself that our life force energy or our consciousness can live on after our bodies, which I think are just our shells for our short time that we're here on Earth. In this incarnation until you pass away from old age or whatever happens or your body ends, but what's you can continue on. So I think this whole thing is is really fascinating exploring these ideas. So if, if you're with me on this, if you're listening, you're like, OK, OK, Diane, I get it. I'm into this stuff. Then you're going to be really fascinated to check out the book and the author that I'm talking about today. And the book is Edgar Cayce and The Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn by Joanne DiMaggio. And Joanne joins me today. She's been actively involved with Edgar Cayce's Association for Research and Enlightenment since 1987 and she has a master's in transpersonal studies and has been professionally pursuing past life research and therapy for over 30 years. So she really knows her her stuff. And this book is really a labor of love for her. You can find her at Joanne and that's Joanne with an E DiMaggio.com. And I'd like to welcome her to the show. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Hi, Diane. It's really great to be here with you.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you're here. For a second, I thought you dropped off. I don't know why. <laughs> I heard a click, so I'm here I got you nervous. the whole
1: time, so I think I was with you.
0: <laughs> but you are here, thank goodness. So just to kind of set the stage a little bit, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of, of listeners to Unity Radio are probably familiar with Edgar Casey, but he's got such a rich history, and I, I don't know if everybody really is aware of who Edgar Cayce actually was. I mean, he was one of the most documented psychics of the 20th century. He's also been called the sleeping prophet or the father of holistic medicine. And could you just give us kind of a little, you know, brief recap of Edgar Cayce and and his work?
1: Well, sure. Well, he was born in 1877 and died in 1945. So um, we had this um, relatively short window with him. Uh, he did uh, four, over 14,000 readings in his life, uh, and uh, basically what he would do is he would lie down on a couch and, for all intents and purposes, it would look like he went to sleep, and then he would contact his source uh, and uh, get answers to questions that people either were mailing into him or he was doing a, a reading in person. Um, Of those 14,000 readings, 12,000 of them were actually health readings. So those were readings in which people came with some sort of a chronic condition in which they couldn't get any relief through traditional um, methods. And so they went to what we like to call the Man of Miracles, and uh, he would prescribe a remedy. And those remedies are still in use today. As a matter of fact, I just think he was way ahead of his time, and we're just catching up to him now. So there's just a ton of material about the Casey Health readings that are beneficial to everybody, whether you believe in any of this or not. Um, It does does work, and it's very well documented. Um, The other 2,000 readings he did were what he called life readings, and these are the readings in which he started to get into more of the metaphysical concepts uh, about life, more esoteric uh, readings. Uh, And then he would give people, um, usually he would give them uh, past life uh, uh, information as well, maybe three, four of their previous lifetimes, and tell them, you know, this is where you gained, this is where you kind of lost ground. Um, uh, just very briefly, um, he would he would share that with people. So, um, so they're fascinating because that's where, you know, he gets into the topic of uh, of reincarnation, which, by the way, at first he really was appalled at that the readings the first reading he gave that was that life reading because here's a a very christian man taught sunday school he read the bible once a year for every year of his life and so suddenly to be talking about topics like reincarnation the creation story and things like that um you know this this was all new to him and he stopped doing readings for a brief amount of time uh, until he felt comfortable and knew that it was coming from a a true and loving source. And so then then he would continue to do those. So those are the ones that I focus my research uh, on and have. And uh, and the subject of my book, um, T.J. Davis was the recipient of not only a life reading, but he had many, many health readings as well.
0: Well, the information that you share in the book is is just incredible. And you give kind of a transcript of T.J. Davis's life reading, which I thought was was pretty incredible. And in reading a little bit about Edgar Casey before we were going to talk today, I wanted to learn a little bit more about him because I had heard um, of him as, you know, the sleeping prophet and things like that. And I did read about his conflict in how he felt at first in in giving these readings as being afraid that it would conflict with, with his Christian beliefs, and, and that was kind of a struggle for him. But one of the other things I thought was interesting about Edgar Cayce was that, you know, there have been other people that would, quote, channel from another source. But what he was revealing was really information from his his higher power, right? his source. So it wasn't like it was coming from a separate thing like say if you were listening to information from uh, Esther Hicks and Abraham or Seth or some of the other people that came after Edgar Casey. It wasn't from an out from an outside energy or source, isn't that right?
1: That's right. Yes. And many times he went to the Akashic records. Uh, to get information uh, on, on a person, especially in a life reading. So he had several ways of obtaining information, but you always had to ask a question. You know, he didn't pontificate about a particular topic off the top of his head, he waited for a question. So those people had uh, a tremendous opportunity, uh, you know, and the more profound the question they asked, the more profound the, the answer. So, well, we could use somebody like that today, I think. Uh, but there hasn't been anybody quite like Edgar Casey since he's left us in spirit.
0: No, definitely not. He he was one of a kind, that's for sure. And the book is about a specific person that was very. You uh, had a lot of twists and ties with him. It was very synchronistic in how this book came together and you meeting. Uh, T.J. Davis, Thomas Jefferson Davis, who is still alive today. And there was actually a unity church connection in that, which I thought was kind of interesting too. So tell us a little bit about how you first heard about T.J. Davis and then meeting him.
1: Well, in 1987, maybe some of your listeners will remember this. Uh-huh. Shirley McLean's book, Out on a Limb, was made into a miniseries. And it aired for two nights on ABC, January of 1987. Um, I had been reading about reincarnation as a teenager uh, and was interested in it, but sort of just put it in the back of my mind and, you know, got married, had a family and living out in suburbia. But then I watched out on a limb. And it was like the big wake-up call, I think, not only for myself, but thousands of other sleeping metaphysicians. And so there it was, and she's talking about what do you think? She's talking about reincarnation. So that stirred that that old interest in me again. And I I wanted to 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 do some research on it and to write about it. Because I like to think of myself as a reporter for the universe, you know. I go and I gather information, write about it, and then spread it out to the, to the masses. So I thought, well, I want to I learn more about that. Now, I'm also an amateur historian. I majored in history, uh, specializing in early American history in, in college. So a friend of mine who was also an ARE member said, did you know that Edgar Cayce did a reading on a baby boy uh, and said that he was the reincarnation of both Thomas Jefferson and Alexander the Great. So I thought, you you've gotta be kidding me. So she gave me the reading number, his his reading number for those of you who are ARE members, you can go um into the readings and look him up. It's 1208. Uh, and so I went and I downloaded all that, or I think at the time I wasn't downloading so much as I was reading. Um and I was fascinated. I was fascinated by this story because Edgar Casey not only told him about four of his past lives, two of which were so, such famous people, but he also said that this entity could do for the world what Thomas Jefferson did for this country. Imagine being two days old and having the world's most renowned psychic or prophet or whatever you want to title, Mr. Casey say that about you. So I thought, what was his life like growing up with this hanging over him, you know, that he could do for the world what Jefferson did for this country? I knew he didn't do it, and I wanted to know why, because nobody was asking that question. They were just kind of down on him for not having lived up to that prophecy. But nobody bothered to find out what happened. Where did his soul go off track? that it didn't accomplish what Mr. Casey said he was able to accomplish. And so I sort of put out some feelers at the ARE to see if they would connect us and nobody would connect us. As a matter of fact, they went out of their way to try to dissuade me from even needing him. Uh, And this went on for for years. And then finally, uh, in 1995, I moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, where I am now. Unbeknownst to me, TJ and his family also moved to Charlottesville, I think a year or two earlier. And so when I first moved here, I was trying to connect with like-minded people. So um I found another past life therapist and uh through an, another organization that I belonged to. And I was in touch with him and I said, Hey, I'm new to Charlottesville. Uh and I and I didn't say anything about TJ because by then I had long given up the the idea that we'd ever meet. And I said, you know, um, are you doing any groups here or anything like that and and so we chatted for a while the next thing i know a few hours later i get a phone call from from him and he goes um he says i mentioned you to a friend of mine here at at the uh he worked at the uh, university of virginia hospital and and she's a nurse and she would like to invite you and your family to her home and so then she called me um later and she said hey Joanne um, you know she told me her name and she said my husband TJ Davis and I would like to invite you to our home for dinner and I mean I was I I could have just fallen over you know it was so I went out to to have dinner with him and his family and the the rest as they say is history.
0: It's so amazing the synchronicity involved that you were really meant to write this story and i and it's very well researched i want to tell people i'm I'm almost finished with it but you can tell that you really put a lot of effort and and research into the history of you know what was going on and in his life so it's it's really well written and i like that you did take that different tact where instead of just focusing directly on oh wow you know alexander the Great thomas jefferson you know these incredible stories of the past lives but that really is the question right why didn't things work out the way edgar casey had had predicted or had thought that things would work out for tj in his life and it just brings up all these other questions like you know how much free will we really do have in our lives and how things can start out on one path and end up end up on another doing something that you totally had no idea that you would end up doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's all just, just so amazing and and so interesting to explore a little bit. So we'll get into that as we, as we talk more about it. So also I just wanted to throw in that TJ, uh, you had, he also attended a unity church, which I think is interesting. And then you ran into him there or met him at a unity church. Isn't that right?
1: That's right. Um, he, uh, Uh, At the time, uh, I was hosting or our Unity was hosting um, the ARE programs. I'm the the, um, team uh, leader of the ARE Charlottesville team. And so I was bringing in speakers and I was looking for a place in which we could host our programs. And that took me to Unity. And uh, so we started hosting programs there at Unity of Charlottesville. And um, and then within a few months we we formed a partnership with Unity uh, ARE and Unity and that's pretty common by the way there are a lot of Unities and uh, ARE teams across the country that have partnered together to host programs of course you know no, none of us have done anything in person for quite a while now because of COVID but um, initially we were we were hosting. Um, Programs there, and um, he found out about it because a program was listed in Venture Inward, and that's the uh, membership magazine that ARE publishes. Uh, and in the back, they have every state uh, and and who's doing what, where, and when. And he left me a, a message. He um he he didn't realize at first because we had not spoken in about nine years at that point, and he didn't realize that he was calling me. Uh, And so I get this voicemail message about, you know, I just saw your name and you go to Unity, I go to Unity, uh, you know, and then he said, why don't you call me? And then I get another message a few minutes later and he's saying, oh, Joanne, I think I know who you are. You know, so we arranged to meet. um, We were I was actually hosting a program at Unity that Saturday and it was on near death experience with PMH Atwater who's a part of our church at Unity as well, and she, um, and he came. I invited him, and when he walked in the door, I kind of pulled him out of line, and, uh, and we chatted, and, uh, and after that, we were um, back uh, talking on a regular basis, and that's when I asked him. I said, you know, I would really love to write your biography, and, and I really want to explore more about what happened to you growing up and why you didn't fulfill Casey's uh prophecy and he readily agreed and uh I got him to start doing some conversations uh at at Unity so we would invite uh Unity people as well as ARE people to come and listen to him talk about his years growing up in the Casey household and people were mesmerized by him uh, he has such charisma and uh the stories that he told uh we were hanging on every word that he said. It was just so fascinating to to have somebody in our presence who um who knew Mr. Casey on a personal level, grew up in that house. Um, not only that, but to have someone who who is um supposedly the reincarnation of Thomas Jefferson, who, you know, in Charlottesville, he's an icon here. So so between those two things, uh, we had quite quite an audience for him.
0: Right I'm sure he was welcomed with open arms and I'm not surprised that he was drawn to unity because I know Charles Fillmore the founder of unity was very interested in metaphysical subjects like reincarnation and you know other uh, eastern religions and philosophies and things like that so it was just interesting that there uh, there was a unity connection in yeah. uh, in that case yeah.
1: And you know, the week before the program, um, our minister, uh, uh, Reverend Don Lansky, and his wife, uh, Patricia Galina Lansky, asked me if I would do the talk at at Unity on that week before. And so I chose as my subject, free will. And then because it tied into the whole story about TJ. And so it was sort of a, a week. A prior promo for the program I was going to do, but I was amazed at how much information there was out there um, about um, from Eric Butterworth and Paul hasselback and from uh, and from Charles Fillmore on the subject of free will. so it really tied it together, and um, I was really pleased to have given that talk the week before the program so it sort of set the stage for it.
0: Well, the beginning of the book, I think, is is really interesting in explaining a lot about, you know, TJ's young life, how, you know, about his parents, how, how he came to be, and really kind of gets into the concept of a soul family and how that impacted his life. And I was hoping you could explain that concept for people who are, who are not familiar with what that means, a soul family.
1: Sure. Um, we traveled together as a pod, so to speak, as a family of souls. So we have been with the same souls in our immediate circle, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, from, the, from creation through the present moment. Now, we change genders and we change roles. So your mother in this life could have been your brother in a previous life. And your spouse in this life could have been one of your parents in a previous life. So we change roles, but it's still the same souls. We follow each other lifetime after lifetime after lifetime in order to give assistance to each other to help with some of the issues, the karmic issues we're working on to enable our souls to grow. So, um, so these are the same people basically over and over again, just in different roles and different genders. So TJ was part of the soul group that Edgar Casey was in and that his aunt Gladys Davis was in. And some of the other people in in that group, they had been together uh, in countless lifetimes. They'd been together in Atlantis, they'd been together in ancient Egypt and on and on and on and on. So TJ wanted to return to the earth and be a part of that group again but he said by the time he he looked in on it uh, Mr. Casey was too old to have any children so he couldn't come in through Mr. Casey he was going to come in through his aunt Gladys who's Gladys Davis by the way was Edgar Casey's um, secretary and was with him for just many 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 years he couldn't come in through Gladys because she wasn't married and having children so he thought, well, how am I going to get to Mr. Casey? And he thought, I know, I'll come in through Gladys's brother Boyd and his and his wife Berlin. They were very heavy into gambling and alcohol, and TJ Soul knew that the last thing they wanted was a baby. And he figured, well, they won't want me; they'll give me the Gladys, and then from Gladys, I'll get to Mr. Casey. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. So um, he was born July, uh, June twenty first, nineteen thirty six. Uh, when he was born, um, he said he had been sloshing around in a womb of alcohol for nine months. So when he came out, he looked like a piece of driftwood. And the doctor said this, this child's going to die within three days. And, uh, Gladys wrapped him up, took him to Mr. Casey. Mr. Casey did a reading, uh, said, uh, told Gladys what to do. Uh, he said, give him carnation milk and he'll be fine. She did. And he was, and that was the beginning of, of their, uh, relationship, which, Lasted um, eight and a half years uh, until Mr. Casey died in 1945.
0: And he did end up spending a lot of time at the Casey home that you write about, which just sounds like he had some amazing experiences there. And when he was first born, though, he did have other physical issues too, not just. Um, I guess what we would call, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome today, like they didn't know what that was at that time, you know, but being born to an alcoholic mother, but he had other problems as well when he was a toddler. Right. And then Edgar Casey also advised on that.
1: Yeah. There's quite a few health readings. He had a lot of problems with his stomach. Uh, he would get rashes. Um, he had problems with the, um, uh, adenoids. Uh, he, uh, Uh, he had the chicken pox, the measles, the mumps. Um, he'd run a high fever. Uh, he was in pretty bad shape. And, and, uh, Mr. Casey kept giving his, uh, uh, TJ's mother readings on what to do. And when she followed the readings, TJ would recover. If she didn't follow the readings then he would get worse. So he was close to death a number of times. And, you know, he, he credits Mr. Casey for saving his life, not just once, but, uh, uh, several times, especially whenever he was around water, because he would have a tendency to uh, uh, almost fall in and drown. And Mr. Casey was always there to, to pull him up by the by the shirt, uh, you know, collar. Uh, so, um, yeah, that uh, for sure, Mr. Casey was a his guardian angel, as was his aunt Gladys.
0: And also at that time, just so people can be aware of what. Was happening, you know, kind of setting the stage with other. I mean, many other people would come to Edgar Casey for readings, and he never took money for those readings, which I thought was interesting when I read that.
1: Yeah, I think people eventually, you know, would send something, and it was almost like, you know, it'd be like the last minute, like the rent was due. Where's it going to come from? And then all of a sudden, the money would show up. Um, Mr. Casey really wasn't doing it for the money part of it. He was just doing it to be helpful to mankind that was his mission and um yeah people were from all over the world who who, um wrote to him uh asking for a reading or who showed up uh in virginia beach and tj even said at one point the house felt more like a hotel because there were so many people there but they all believed in reincarnation and the people that were there on a consistent basis they all knew each other's past lives so they were well aware of of uh, tj's past lives and um
0: that That's so interesting. we're going to talk more about the life reading where we get into more of TJ's past lives and what happens after that. This is such such interesting stuff. I'm talking with Joanne DiMaggio, the author of Edgar Casey and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn. We'll be right back.
1: All are welcome. We're glad
0: you found us. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for coming back after the break. If you're interested in reincarnation, past life regression therapy, past life research, this is definitely the show for you. I'm talking with Joanne Dimaggio, and she's the author of Edgar Casey and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn. And this is just an incredible story of T.J. Davis and his many lives, and also uh, really bringing up the question of free will and who, you know, who really has the choice. In what happens in your life, you do, even though you may have auspicious beginnings of an incredible past life in your history. Just really fascinating stuff. So, in the first segment, we were talking a little bit about, you know, TJ's growing up. Uh, his parents, you know, had kind of uh, difficult times uh, with alcoholism and things like that, and how TJ had the connection to Edgar Casey that his aunt Gladys was Edgar Casey's longtime secretary for many years. Her brother was T.J.'s father. And with all of the problems that uh, T.J.'s parents had growing up, he ended up spending a lot of time in the Edgar Casey household, which is really incredible. And I was asking Joanne uh, a little bit during the break um, some things in the book that T.J. reveals, you know, uh, living with Edgar Casey, where talk of, of spirits spiritualism mediumship you know t j was actually able to interact with with people in the spirit world, and he felt that that kind of thing was normal right because he was what only seven or eight at the time then he was living with the Casey's. and then when he left obviously a lot of other people aren't aren't having that kind of experience so i i think that that's really interesting,
1: yeah he was um you know he, he Mr. Casey started his education out on the pier. They had a, there's a lake in back of the Casey house uh, and, a, and a, they would go out fishing. And TJ said they started doing that when he was about two years old. And there are, there are the most darling pictures of the two of them out on the pier together. There's some in the book and there's some uh, at the ARE. And um, that is, that was his classroom. You'd sit next to Mr. Casey and what do you think they were talking about? They were talking about, do you remember how we built the pyramids? Do you remember? uh, They talk about their past lives. They would talk about the creation story. How did we get here? what's the future for humanity uh, how do you read an aura look at that tree what do you, do you see any colors uh, all about fairies and elementals and uh, the car what, what karma was all about I mean it was just the most extraordinary education for a, a child it was almost like Casey was pouring all of this knowledge and wisdom that he had into the this little body that was sitting next to him on that pier and this would go on uh, almost every day um, and so TJ was with the Caseys on and off from the time he was born until he was about eight and a half and uh, you know sometimes his mother would take him, sometimes he would uh, be sent to live with his grandmother um, you know or or in in the in, with a, a neighbor or somebody. But usually, if he was, if his mother gave him to Gladys to watch, then he had the access to the Casey's. So he spent uh, an enormous amount of time there in those years, and the Casey's absolutely adored him. Uh, you could see how much they loved him in the pictures that you see. You can see um, in the letters that Mister Casey wrote. This book took me eight years to write, and that's because. I went into the Edgar Casey Foundation's archives and uh, went through uh, all the files that were kept in the vault um, that had contained all these letters that were written that Mr. Casey wrote, that Gladys wrote, that TJ's mother and father wrote. And I pieced them together because I wanted to give the reader a sense of the historic documentation um, behind his early years. And then the second part of the book are his own memories um, from the perspective of what was it like as a little boy. You know, how did you see it? You know, it was your perspective. So um, there's two different um, perspectives in the book. And I think that that's helpful to people to understand what the socioeconomic situation was like in Virginia Beach at that time. You know, they're coming out of the Depression, going into World War II. Uh, so you had that going on. And then, you know, down, down the road when, when TJ was uh, older and on his own.
0: It was definitely a challenge for his parents and and for his mother at that time. And yeah, some of the stories that, that TJ shares of, of growing up and and those are really uh, important years, you know, from, from one to eight Uh, things really make an impression and, and stay with you for the rest of your life. And some of the things he describes of, Uh, Having friends, you know, that were actually spirit, spirit friends, a little girl named Stefanella that played the violin and being able to see elementals in the garden in the Casey garden and that was normal. So (laughs) I'm reading this like, wow, that's just like some amazing stuff. But I do want to talk definitely about the life reading where he he finds this information about being Thomas Jefferson reborn. Not only that. Uh, Alexander the Great, other information about Atlantis. And this was the only life reading that Edgar Casey gave to TJ. He was supposed to do another one when TJ was 13, but then unfortunately he passed away. And can you right. tell us a little bit about that reading? Because it, it was pretty special, that life reading, and definitely impacted TJ for the rest of his life.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, that was a reading. He gave him four past lives that he had had. Uh, one of them was in Atlantis and he was in Atlantis. He was one of the bad guys. He was with the, um, the sons of Belial, which were this group that was responsible for the destruction of the continent. Uh, and then, but he fell in love with the soul that ended up being Gladys years and years later. Uh, and she turned him uh, to be part of the daughters of the law. of One, they were the good guys. And so in the end, um, TJ, uh, was on, on the good side and he was helping to evacuate as many people as he possibly could so that they could settle the different lands. And I think that they mentioned those in the reading, uh, the Mayans, the Incas, um, The Mound Builders in Ohio, uh, and there's others I don't remember off the top of my head. But uh, so that was that life. Uh, Then he had a life in the very early, early uh, history of France, uh, in which he was um, part of the uh, group that established a government for that country. Uh, And which I think is interesting since he then ended up being one of our founding fathers to set up a government for this country. So he got his his, uh, feet wet in in that French uh, lifetime. Um, And then, you know, the the Alexander the Great lifetime obviously was before the French lifetime. Um, This is a lifetime that he um, is not very proud of. He has said to me multiple times, he said, I don't think that they should use the word great When they describe Alexander, um, the fact that he slaughtered so many people in his conquests, um, you know, T.J.'s not very proud of that, but um, he still has a very strong attachment to that life in terms of some of the karmic stuff that's going on now. And um, uh, later, many, many years later, he retraced his, um, unbeknownst to him, he retraced his journey uh, that Alexander took conquering. Uh, 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 the different countries. And, you know, when he was in Greece, he said he was treated like a God. He said, he's, I didn't exactly get up there and say, hi everybody. I'm your former King, you know, Alexander. But, uh, he said, but people were picking up on that. I think, I truly think that, um, our past life essence stays with us and that's how we recognize each other from lifetime to lifetime and so there was just something about him that people were responding to him um as they as they would have had they known he had been alexander interesting story about alexander though when tj first went to greece um and there's a story in the book about how that all came about i won't go into it but um he ended up staying at he met a friend at the airport and and uh, in Luxembourg and then flew to Greece. He ended up his, this friend's father was the mayor of, uh, of, uh, Thessaloniki. And, uh, he invited TJ to come and stay with them while TJ got his bearings to figure out where else he wanted to go. And as it turns out, the house that the mayor was living in was the house that Alex, that Aristotle had lived in. And Aristotle was Alexander's teacher Here he was back again in that same house. So those are, he has stories like that all uh, over many, many years. Things like that would have, synchronistic things like that would happen to him all the time. So And then, of course, the last life he gave him was that of Thomas Jefferson. And um, there's many stories in the book about how that lifetime has bubbled to the surface. Although TJ has never had a regression. I've asked him repeatedly to let me regress him, and he, he doesn't want to do it. I asked him once, "Do you believe you were Thomas Jefferson because you remember being Thomas Jefferson, or because Edgar Casey said you were Thomas Jefferson?" And he has always said, "It's because Edgar Casey said that I was Thomas Jefferson." And you've got to know, wow, living here in Charlottesville, there are many people, many men, not women, many men who think that they were Thomas Jefferson. So we've got a a glut of Thomas Jefferson's living here. But I never knew Mr. Casey to be wrong in any of his readings. And I certainly believe uh, the theory of one soul to one body. Some of these people, you know, they always say, why are there so many Cleopatras or why are there so many Napoleons? And, And these people are trying to explain it away by saying that their soul divided that the soul of the famous person so Thomas Jefferson's soul divided itself and different strands went into different bodies well I don't believe that that's true but that's how they're explaining <laughs> that away but you know TJ never really talks about his past lives much he, he really for him it's all about having lived with Edgar Casey. that's the most important part of his story his life story
0: Right. And the the other the other things, the past life as Thomas Jefferson, that was just the bonus, you know, that that he got that information, because from what you describe in the book, I mean, the Casey's really were, you know, lifesavers for him personally and very loving presence in his life and also helped his parents out quite a deal as well. So, yeah, I mean, you could tell there was real, real love there, you know, like he was almost another son. Uh, Yeah, I think
1: Dr. Casey saw something in TJ because they had been together in so many lifetimes. But you know, Diane, what I really came to the conclusion about after I did all this work, uh, and it wasn't until the book was published that that I pieced it together. I really think what Mr. Casey meant by that in that reading when he said he could do for the world what Jefferson did for this country, I don't think it had anything to do with Thomas Jefferson. And I don't think it had anything to do with uh, political global initiative of any kind. I really think what he was saying was that TJ was being groomed in, he was immersed in the Casey material, he was immersed in the Casey teachings and in the readings. And TJ has always said to me, said, You know, Joanne, there are answers to all of humanity's questions. They're in the readings, if people would just read them and go to them. So I I think that the fact that the soul of Thomas Jefferson is now in the body of TJ Davis, that makes people pay attention to him. You know, oh, you were Thomas Jefferson. I'm gonna really listen to what you have to say. But what he has to say isn't political, it's about love it's about our relationship to the universe it's about our soul's growth it's about all the things that Mr. Casey taught him that if the world would embrace those teachings I think we would be living in a very very different world than we are today and I really in in my heart of hearts feel that's exactly what Mr. Casey meant Uh, and I think that that reading has just been misinterpreted all these years
0: Right, right. That's interesting. Where people would expect, oh, you should have done all these great, outwardly, you know, wonderful, maybe political type things. You know, this big onus is on you to perform. When you're, you're right. That's what he was saying. Um, was on a, a much deeper level than that. And I think people need to uh, remember too, like uh, everyone that was around the the. Casey household people that came in and out for readings or things like that, or followed Edgar Casey's work at that time, they knew about TJ, right? They knew about the story. So he was kind of like a, a celebrity in their midst.
1: Yeah. He always called himself the karmic poster boy of reincarnation, you know? Uh, yeah, they knew, they knew who he was. They, they looked for signs in him of the, the Jefferson life starting to blossom. Um, Casey tells the story, he wrote a letter to somebody that when T.J. was three years old, he recited uh, the Declaration of Independence to, to, to uh, Edgar, and he told him, he says, you know, I wrote that. <laughs> and then when he was a freshman <laughs> in high school, uh, he was doing his final exam in history, he said that he couldn't answer the questions that the teachers posed to him in, in, in the ex- damn he says so I knew I had to write something I didn't want to fail so he says so I sat back I wrote out the Declaration of Independence and I wrote out the statute for religious freedom for Virginia he said then I signed a few like John Adams and a few of my other friends names to it and I turned it in and I told my teacher here this is all I know about history you could pass or fail me well they suspended him because uh, they just thought he was being absolutely ridiculous And he actually thought it was ridiculous too. He he said, I think it's ridiculous the things that they teach you in school. These are not important things. So, uh, but they realized, you know, he was sitting right in front of them. He wasn't, he wasn't cheating. He didn't have the declaration rolled up in his sleeve and pulled it out to, to write it. So there's, there's stories like that all through the book um, that indicate that in fact, he was remembering that past life. Uh, And, um, Uh, and he, and, uh, you know, he had a, he had a handle on it. Uh, and now he lives, believe it or not, he lives on the mountain that's across from Monticello. Monticello is Thomas Jefferson's home. And TJ said when he first moved to this, this little farmhouse that he has, he went up to the top of the mountain and he had his binoculars and he could see over at Monticello and all the people that were mulling around what he called his house, you know, so, um, So there's, like I said, there's stories like that throughout the book that are are very, to me, they're very endearing. And they also, for me, cast no shadow of doubt about his past life as Jefferson.
0: And he did actually go to Monticello, is that right? Did he ever go to the actual home and and walk around it and
1: yeah, he did. He went a couple of times. He went first when he was 16. A friend of his, uh, his father was a Navy chaplain, I believe, and he wanted to bring his son out to Charlottesville to see the University of Virginia. And so T.J. tagged along then and uh, and uh, saw Monticello, saw the grave and everything, and wrote, wrote a letter about it to his aunt. Then he came back um, another time, and this time he was talking to one of the docents, and and uh, she said, "What's your name?" And he said, "Thomas Jefferson." And she says, "Why well, are you related to the to?" the original and she says well yeah indirectly you know and so then she she allowed him to go into the spaces within uh, Monticello that are closed to the public he did that and then the last time he went was um, many years ago every year on the 4th of July Monticello has a naturalization ceremony in which they swear in new citizens of the United States and so TJ said you know every once in a while I want to see what good I've done in this world uh, in in that lifetime. So he wanted to go up and see this for himself. So he, but he got a little bit of a late start. So by the time he got up there, there was no place to park. So the parking attendant came up to him and he says, I'm sorry, you can't park here. You'll have to leave. And TJ says to him, leave. He said, "I'm I'm Thomas Jefferson. You want, this is my house. You want me to leave? And the parking attendant said, sorry, Mr. Jefferson, you'll have to go. So, so those are the, the times. I have dearly wanted to go up to Monticello with him. Uh, uh, I think it would be fascinating, but we, we haven't quite uh, managed to do that together. So that's, that's on my bucket list of things to do while he's still with us.
0: That would be an incredible experience. And did he um, I know he joined the Marines and you write about that in the book and began to travel, um, you know, and I'm sure that triggered memories. And did he ever make it to Paris, you know, where Jefferson spent a lot of time there?
1: He did make it to Paris, but the only reference he's mentioned to me in Paris was that he uh, stopped to get out of the rain in front of uh, a church. And when he told Gladys about it, she said that that was a church that she had been a nun in, in a previous lifetime. So, you know, there it is again, uh, the bleed through. Um, yeah, he traveled all over Europe. Uh, he spent some time in Perugia, Italy. Uh, he went to uh, the university there on the GI bill. And, um, so he spent like four years there. Uh, and he was in Egypt, uh, and certainly all over Greece. And, uh, just his travels alone and, and the situations, his adventures that he, he would get into, uh, you know, even in the desert by the pyramids, it's all just incredibly fascinating. And uh, it could only happen to somebody like TJ, I swear. So it's, it's, uh, it's entertaining, but it's educational as well. So, do you think
0: one of the benefits of exploring your past lives? I mean, it could obviously be for healing purposes, like if you find out of a past injury or affliction or something like that in another life that could be affecting you physically or mentally in this life, there could be some healing there. But what about other other ways? Like, how did how do you think it benefited TJ to know that he did have such an auspicious past life as as Thomas Jefferson? And can we all benefit if we know that kind of knowledge or explore it?
1: Um, I would say in his case, it did not benefit him because uh, we've talked about this. First of all, you know, he got that information when he was two days old. You should never tell a child anything that's that heavy. Um, You know, how in the world was he supposed to live up to that? And it was a source of extreme frustration, especially after Mr. Casey died and then T.J. no longer had his mentor with him. He didn't get that extra reading. He didn't know what to do with himself. He couldn't make any decisions on his own. He was too young. So um, he sort of became this this recluse, sort of hippie kind of character. Um, and like I said, right now, he doesn't even really think about the past life as much as he does about the connection with Mr. Casey. Um, I think that had he had an actual regression, that would have been a completely different story because being told that you're somebody, but not living it, not remembering it through, um, you know, through regression, that's, those are two totally different things. So you've got people that uh, claim to be past life readers and they'll tell you, oh, in your past life, you were so-and-so or whatever. I don't, I don't, go that route because I think that all the information is stored within your soul can, is the storehouse of all your past lives. And when I do a regression, I take the person to the past life most impacting them now because we've had so many past lives. Um, the, the whole purpose is healing. It's not only a physical healing, it's a spiritual healing. And when I do regressions with people, they are amazed because they'll say, oh, I don't understand why my life is the way that it is. I keep having these recurring patterns over and over again. Then they'll go back, they'll find the source, they'll find when did this first happen and why did it happen that way? And that is the biggest eye-opener for them. They go from asking why to, oh, I understand now, I see. And with regression work, you know, usually only one session is all that you need because it goes right to the root, goes to the origin of where did this problem begin? what happened what did you do to somebody to start what did they do to you or or any other questions that you might ask and i also do a lot of um you know uh between lives works where where you're in the afterlife and you're actually planning the your next lifetime and that's very eye-opening too i think on every single level it's healing um Uh, And it's beneficial. Even if you don't believe in it, it's beneficial. So I think TJ would have benefited more had he had a regression and seen for himself, relived that life, gotten into that body and felt what it felt like to be that person. And I I think that would have been uh, much more beneficial for him than having simply been told that he had been those people in a past life
0: right i mean he's still around today you couldn't do a regression on him today
1: <laughs> i've asked him i don't think so but i could try again i said to him why don't we do a series of regressions and i'll i'll have the jefferson life emerge We'll submerge the TJ life and have the Jefferson life come up. And then you can just espouse on any topic you want and and then we'll put it out there for the world. And maybe in that way, you'll feel like you did fulfill Casey's prophecy. Uh, so, the, you know, like I said, he lives up on this mountain. He has no Wi-Fi, no computer. Uh, You know, he has a phone and a TV and he has no car. So he's so somewhat stranded up there. Um, and his health has been failing lately too so um so i try to take that into consideration but he promised me he's he was in, his 80s, to... he's right? 80s, he's in
0: his 80s he's
1: he promised me he was going to live to 140 so i intend to put him to that to make sure he does
0: <laughs> well that would be a whole other book and that would be just incredible if you could get him to do that regression it? so yeah. it's been so uh you know fascinating to talk to you about this and it's just such an amazing subject and you're out right now, and you're you're talking and sharing with a lot of people about the book. You know, the book just came out in March, so it's available right now. People can grab it at their bookstore, or Amazon, uh, whatever is easiest. So, uh, do you plan on, um, you know, doing a lot more radio and and media to get the word out about the book?
1: I I, I am, and I'm hoping to do some. Uh... Um, you know, conferences and, uh, you know, just lectures. And even if they're on Zoom, like I said, I just did one at our Unity uh, on Saturday. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we'll do it at other, uh, at other Unities as well as, um, you know, now with Zoom, you know, you could do it any place. And uh, it's, it's getting a global audience now. Uh, and I think that that's very, very humbling for me. And uh, and I'm I did get TJ to, to appear on Saturday with me. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do that every time, but uh, people just are, are are just mesmerized by him. So I hope I can continue to do that. But um, in the meantime, I have my speaking engagements listed on my website. There's also information about the different regressions I do. People want to book a session with me; they can do that right online. And I have all the books that I've written on there too. They can kind of browse and see if any of those. Um, Are of interest to them.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on here today and sharing your story with all of our Unity listeners and everybody who grabs the podcast. And check out Joanne. Go to her website. It's Joanne, J-O-A-N-N-E, DiMaggio, just like the baseball player. JoanneDiMaggio.com and book yourself a session if you're interested in exploring this topic a little further. It's pretty incredible. And thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Diane. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm
1: network and wherever you get your podcasts.